This is Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast. Hitting subscribe or follow is how you can be notified as soon as a new episode drops. After another entertaining Premier League weekend, it's Rice and Jeezy does it for Arsenal as they leave it late to beat Manchester United. Jadon Sancho has been taking a swipe on his socials after Ten Hag suggested he isn't up to the task in training. And Newcastle are already 60% of the way to losing the same amount of games as they did in the whole of last season, and it's only September. This is FSD, my name's Niall, and as ever, I'm joined by the two lads on this fine Monday afternoon in Manchester, Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. All right, boys? Good morning. Yes, nice and hot. Lovely and hot. I actually got more sunburn working uh, outside yesterday than I did in a week <laughs> in Greece, so... That's Sud's law for you. He's waited until September, Joel, but finally we've got a bit of sunshine. You've even got the Real Madrid kit on to celebrate the uh, Spanish-esque weather. I know, I thought I'd just wear a club emblem where they can actually win a game for once, to be honest, to feel something, so (laughs) try to resemble the weather. I'm not going to lie, this could be the first time in FSD history where Newcastle and Manchester United have both lost, but Portsmouth have won at the weekend, so... (laughs) I'm just going to sit here nice and happy while you two guys can stew in your frustrations. (laughs) I am going to enjoy it. Talking about stewing in frustration, that's normally what we do on a Monday, the first episode of a week. We like to get things off of our chest with our feature, Get in the Sea. It's our chance to have a whinge and a moan about the things that have annoyed us across the Premier League weekend. And we'll start with you first, Marley. What's the thing that you want to have a go at this week? I'm aware we're, I think we're going to have quite a Man United heavy podcast this week, but the thing that annoyed me this this weekend was um, Eric Ten Hag. I I just I know every every Premier League manager and to some extent everyone in their life is a bad loser, but he's he's a terrible loser. But it makes me laugh. It just it's funny. Like he's he said that oh I, I don't think it was offside. And this is the one that got me the most. Like Garnacho's offside was you know it was minimal, but we've got the technology to see it and it was offside. You can't argue with with that. You know, you can argue whether there should be a period of um, of sort of distance it has to be to be offside, but at the risk of going off on a tangent, like that, that shouldn't be the case anyway. But if something's offside, it's black and white. It's offside, or it's not not offside. The technology says it's offside, but Ten Hag's like, no, nope, I don't think it was. It's like, why? <laughs> You've got the picture right there. You know what I mean? It winds me up, and then. Everything else is subjective. Oh, it was definitely a foul on Hoyland. I think it's subjective. I've seen him given. I've seen him not given. Um, you know, it's he's just. Uh, and then then the Sancho thing, like you know, that's kind of annoyed me. I, f- I feel like he could have handled it better. Um, I feel like you've got a duty to to try and get the me- the most out of a player that cost your club that much money. Um, and it's coming out, and obviously we're gonna go into it in a bit. But the beef between them. I just feel it could have been settled a lot earlier. Well, I think it's not unusual to hear a manager moaning after a bad result. I mean, we see that every week, like you say. I mean, we see that even amongst us. And we're just three lads that do a podcast. We like to have a moan after the result. I did think it was really tight, that Garnacho decision, to be honest. And like you say, we're going to be quite Man United heavy because I think a lot of the getting the sea candidates from this week come from that Manchester United game. We will go on to talk about Sancho. What do you think, Joel? Do you think that... Eric Ten Hag's got a right to be frustrated at that decision or are you in the same camp as Marley where it's offside, the technology shows that it's offside, so just get on with it? 
Well, first of all, this is Marley Anderson, who, when United played Newcastle last year, wanted a red carpet rolled out for Newcastle after they beat us at St. James's. <laughs> so he's, he's got a bit of an agenda with Ten Hag and he's after the comments game. I like it. I like him as a coach. Uh, but aside from I that... I like him as a coach, I mean, but he's a little whiner. Just get on with it. Sometimes you lose games, mate. You know, sometimes... it's, not like a manager in, it's not like a manager in the history of, ga- of the game has never come out in a, pro, a post-match press conference and said, I don't like the decisions that were happening. Klopp does it after every single game. Why does no one drag him into it every single... Where's your agenda against Klopp? Are you joking? How, how, many, how much crap I've had over the years on this podcast for dragging Klopp and all the tweets saying, oh, you're always going mad at Klopp. Yeah, it's because he's a goofy German who just moans at everything. I'll agree with you on that that's one. That's why. That's why everyone thinks we're anti-Liverpool. We're not. We're just, and it's, when you haven't got a point and you make a point, like, you just look stupid. Yeah, but I mean, if, even loads of Arsenal fans were making the exact same point you were, which is, oh, Ten Hag was behaving like a Luton Town manager discussing all the wrong decisions. On what planet would a manager not say he's not happy with the decision being made? Arteta's done it numerous amount of times after a game where he said, the, you know, if I speak about the managerial performance, I'll end up getting a fine, so I'm not going to do it. Right, well, fair enough. He doesn't have the balls <laughs> to say He did it two anything. weeks ago, Arteta. Yeah, exactly. They're all hypocrites, honestly. Everyone's a hypocrite for their own team. I get it. It's football. We've all got our allegiances. But at the end of the day, I mean, every time I look at that offside decision, at a new angle, I still think, is it offside? Is it onside? If the technology says it's offside, fair enough, it's offside. But that wasn't the only decision that was strange in that game. I'm sorry, but there was so many divisive decisions in that game. We'll get onto it a little bit later. But yeah, Marley Anderson expecting the red carpet from Ten Hag after every game. Get out of here. Get Marley Anderson in the sea. I I still don't understand the, the whole beef that came out of that situation, to be honest. It only comes from the Newcastle and United game last year. Yeah, no, I, I, I've never got it. Eddie Howe needs to get in the sea for dressing like he's going to play a round of golf on the touchline. That stupid, long-sleeved <laughs> Under Armour with a polo shirt over the top. It looks horrendous. Aye, all right, all he right. looks like he's going to play a four ball every Saturday afternoon, not go and manage a Premier League football club. I'll be Scott Parker with his four grand hoodies and cardigans. You see how long that lasts? Dress normal and people... <laughs> treat you normal it's all right with his caddy assistant manager next to him i'm desperately scrambling to find what the weather forecast was in brighton for the weekend just to give eddie house some stick even more for wearing what? long sleeves when steve he didn't cooper need had a jump uh, <laughs> yeah, but steve cooper won yeah, true that. let's just touch upon that game now then we may as well seeing as we're already talking about it arsenal were the winners in the end marley you've already mentioned eric ten Hag complaining after the game he didn't think that was a fair result on the balance of play do you think arsenal deserved to win I thought it could have gone either way. I thought Arsenal were were probably the better team. Um, wouldn't have wouldn't have really moaned too much if it was a draw. Um, Ten Hag probably would, but not not a neutral. Um, so yeah, but at the end of the day, it's Onana's uh, goalkeeper that's let Man United down again. With his I thought obviously, he should, I no, thought he should have ridiculous. saved Rice's. This Rice's is ridiculous. Shot. It's not that no, I'm not having that, Marley. Marley, I'm not having that. Did, did you watch the game? Andre and Anna is crap. No, but did you watch the game? He'll cost you. It doesn't matter how many saves he Marley. makes. He'll then make one. He'll, he he'll was make one of our best one. players. He was one of our best players yesterday. You must get, have been I'll, crap I'll, <laughs> No, I'll get, I'll get into it. Have your analysis of the game. I'll get into it after this. That's it. That's my analysis. I thought Arsenal... <laughs> we got civil war on FSD today. <laughs> I thought Arsenal were, were probably slightly the better team, but... Wasn't that much in it. I thought it was actually encouraging for Man United that they can get get near Arsenal. It wasn't a walkover by any means, but you know, um, 
At the, end the, at the end of the day, when Kai Havertz is slicing a shot from six yards and it's going to his own player, you you know Arsenal are going to nick something. It's just, it's just in them. It's just, you know, 65 million and he's he's on his stronger left foot from six yards out and he can't hit the net, but somehow manages to find Saka. Floor's yours, Joel. Yeah, no, I mean, the game was, it was just cagey because given the circumstances and given the context, I don't think it was as hard of a defeat to take because let's not forget we had one of our signings in the starting lineup, which was Andre Onana. And when you when you compare compare that to every other team in the league, half of their teams are new team pretty much this season. So given the context of the injuries that we've got, you know, Mason Mount's injured, Rafa Varane's injured, Martinez came off injured. We ended up with Maguire and Evans at the end of the game. I mean, that is ridiculous in itself. But I think the first 20 minutes, whenever United play Arsenal away, I'm always super nervous. I'm always super nervous when United go away to any of the big clubs in the first 20 minutes because it's almost like the home team start at 100 miles an hour and United is still almost trying to find the feet in the game. And suddenly, you know, we found out against so many different teams last year, we'd end up being 2-0 down, 3-0 down in the first 20, 30 minutes because the other team were just so quick off the mark. And usually that happens at the Emirates, but this time round, I don't know if it's because of the weather, but I do think one part of it was Andre Anana. In the first 20 minutes, if you compare United's game against Arsenal last season compared to the one this season, the big difference was the fact that we were way more confident at the back. And that's because Arsenal couldn't press Onana as much as they would have pressed David De Gea. Because in the last game, David De Gea, as soon as he get the ball, you'd see Eddie and Ketty, you'd see Martinelli, Saka going straight for him, blocking off his avenues. And that suddenly they'd have the ball again straight away. In this game, we were way more calmer, but there was no potency. And that's what you saw with the Rashford goal. It was just the game of moments for United, which keeps happening against the big sides. I knew it was going to be the case because Arsenal are so difficult to almost dominate in possession and in midfield. But the Rashford goal was just a moment. We weren't in the game at that point. We were literally just holding the ball, couldn't break through their midfield. But again, that's what you kind of need against these clubs away from home, a kind of moment. But it was just, it was a game of moments. I mean, inches, and we would have taken a defeat. Sorry, we would have taken a victory and would have been talking about something very different. But again, when Rashford scored, as soon as he scored, I said, Arsenal are going to equalise in the next 10 minutes because United just can't seem to settle themselves. It always seems to be erratic. They don't know what to do with a, a lead. They seem to be really un- trying to understand what do they do next? Do they attack? Do they, do, do they defend? And you saw it against Arsenal. They just came back into the game and ended up kind of dominating the majority of it, to be honest. So what are you putting in the sea then? Now we've heard your assessment of the game. What's your gripe for this week? To be honest, my my, my getting the sea is more so just officiating in general. I think yeah. VAR it's is been incre- so bad, isn't it? This last, it feels like every week we've been speaking about it. And actually, do you know what? Before we recorded the podcast today, we were talking on WhatsApp, weren't we, Joel? And we were saying that it's been quite difficult to try and get excited about the Premier League when some of the decisions and some of the officiating has been that bad. It almost drains any sort of enthusiasm out of you. I think one of the main reasons, I think Ian Wright touched on it, is the fact that after a game, I no longer see really nice highlights of passages of play or uh, moments leading up to a goal. It's always to do with, was this the right decision? What's the VAR check for this one? Is the offside correct or is it not correct? I mean, we saw it in the Manchester City game at the weekend where Akanji was blocking the line of goal and he almost basically obstructed it and it went in. And VAR said it was an okay goal. I mean, how on earth can you give something like that? But it just keeps happening happening consistently. Happening in the Manchester United game as well. A few decisions that I thought were, thought were really questionable. 
Um, but VAR as a technology is absolutely incredible. One of the best things I've ever seen in terms of football. The people who are actually running it don't have a clue. I would prefer personally if there's a major decision, just let the referee deal with it. Let him go over to the monitor every single time and just I'll take his opinion. If the referee says it's his opinion and he thinks it's a foul, not a foul, a goal, not a goal, I'll take it as that because I don't trust the opinions of the people in the VAR room anymore. They're proving weekly, time and time again, that their opinions just can't be trusted at the moment. Well, if that's what Joel's putting in the sea, I'm going to put what happened at Selhurst Park in the sea because shortly after the final whistle in Palace's 3-2 victory over Wolves, Wolverhampton Wanderers released a statement which said this, and I can't believe I'm reading this again. I mean, how many times we've read statements like this on Football Social Daily? It's just not good enough. But here it is. We're very disappointed to report that one of our players was the target of discriminatory abuse by an opposing fan during today's game with Crystal Palace. We reported the incident quickly to Palace, to the Premier League match centre and to the matchday officials. Crystal Palace security moved swiftly to remove the supporter in question and notified police at Selhurst Park. We're offering our full support to the player involved and have provided a formal statement to the Metropolitan Police. Racism or discrimination in any form is completely unacceptable and should never be left unchallenged. I mean, I'm putting that in the sea, not the fact that Wolves have had to release a statement, but the fact that a supporter at Premier League football ground in 2023 has yet again decided that they're going to racially abuse a player. Now, we don't know which Wolves player was the target of the racial abuse. Not only is it disgraceful from the Crystal Palace supporter, but also when you look at the history of Crystal Palace and some of the best players they've got now in their team and some of the best players they've had in their history as a football club... So many of them come from non-white backgrounds. I'm thinking in the team at the moment, Ibera Eza and Michael Elise. Perhaps the greatest ever Crystal Palace player, Wilfred Zaha, is a black man. You've got Ian Wright, you've got Mark Bright, you've got loads of different players to represent Crystal Palace over the years from a non-white background. And yet someone who wears a Crystal Palace shirt in the crowd or represents Crystal Palace as a supporter feels it's okay to abuse racially abuse at that uh, a Wolves player now like I said we don't know which Wolves player it is or what the nature of the abuse was but what I will say is it's not good enough and you know if we have to sit here every week and condemn it every week then we'll do that on Football Social Daily because it's it's shocking really we're still you know how many times on this podcast have we had to to say something like that um it happens far too often and I think Wolves have done absolutely the right thing and credit to Crystal Palace as well for dealing with the supporter in question but that absolutely has to go in the sea for this week now, we've already touched upon Manchester United against Arsenal with Declan Rice and Gabriel Jesus's late goals securing the victory. But that wasn't the only talking point to come out of Old Trafford over the weekend. Jaden Sancho has hit back on his social media after criticisms about his lack of efforts in training. We'll talk about it next. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. I'm Niall, Joel and Marley are with me and Manchester United were beaten by Arsenal in the Premier League at the weekend in what was a pretty exciting game. We had some drama at the end with Garnacho, but we also had some drama off the pitch where Jadon Sancho released a message on his social media page. Now, he had been the subject of criticism as to why he wasn't included in Manchester United's matchday squad at the Emirates. Here's what Jadon Sancho has said on his social media. 
Please don't believe everything you read. I will not allow people saying things that is completely untrue. I have conducted myself in training very well this week. I believe there are other reasons for this matter that I won't go into. I've been a scapegoat for a long time, which isn't fair. So Jaden Sancho Marley is actually referring to himself as a scapegoat. And there's no reference to Eric Ten Hag in that social media post. But we all know who he's talking about. Yeah, there's, uh, there's clearly something not right. Um, and I know, like, I don't know, I'm going to kind of contradict what I said before when there's two, there's two sides to this. Like, I think Sancho was bombed out of Man City as an 18 year old and allowed to go to Dortmund or 17, whatever he was. And there was something behind the scenes about his attitude. And then it's happened again at Man United. But why in the meantime, have Dortmund got the very, very best out of him? I don't. I don't understand the the approach of of uh, maybe it's the coach, maybe it's everybody making him the star like the, like he was at Dortmund, but the proof is there that he can be incredible, he can be world class. So I don't know why managers aren't um, doing that with him. I, I don't know why Ten Hag is not just managing him. Right. I know everyone can't get on with everyone and, and things like that, but I don't know. Obviously, we don't know the details. It's kind of hard to sort of assess it, but I feel like there can be a solution there which gets the best out of an £80 million uh, player and gets him in the Man United team. Because there's no doubt that, you know, Garnacho's good, but Sancho, the best Sancho, leaves him in the dust. Like, Garnacho might be great in the future, but. Right now, as a player, the best Jadon Sancho, he's 10 times better than Anthony and Garnacho. So I don't know why they can't get this out of him, but it seems like it seems irreparable now. Um, this this statement and this public um, back and forth that we know and we've seen, you know, Ten Hag didn't probably didn't have to talk about him, um, didn't have to throw him under the bus a bit like that and sort of feed him to the media. Um, and Sancho as well has gone well. If you're doing that to me, I'm sod it. I'm putting out a, a note on my uh, on my my Instagram, and my my Twitter. So it's a weird one. But from the other perspective, Joel, can you see it from Eric Ten Hag's side? Presuming that is who Sancho is talking about, and we are speculating here, but it seems quite obvious that that is the case. Eric Ten Hag gave Sancho some time off last season to kind of get himself together. There were question marks over his fitness last season, question marks over whether mentally he was in the right place to be able to perform at an optimum level for Manchester United. Eric Ten Hag has given Jadon Sancho opportunity to get himself in the right condition physically and mentally to perform for Manchester United. And maybe now he feels like that leeway hasn't been repaid. And that's maybe why he's now turned to kind of giving Jaden Sancho a bit of a boot up the backside via the media because he feels like maybe that's the last chance he's got to get something out of Jaden Sancho because it's not worked for him since his arrival from Dortmund, in all fairness, has it? His famous last words from Sancho that honestly, I think it's really, really naive for him to come out with a statement against his own manager because I think Ten Hag has been really fair and patient with him since he's come in where... This time last year, he sent Sancho to the Netherlands for a good two months because I think he wasn't right mentally and he was doing personal training with a, a coach. And then he's come back. And again, 
in his statement, he says he feels he's been to he's been made to be the scapegoat. I think he's just been really poor in the last two years, to be honest. That's the bottom line. You have to continuously perform at a high level. And I think, although I don't massively agree with Ten Hag coming out and saying, you know, you have to reach certain performance levels in training and he's not quite reached that level, it's almost like character assassination because now it's almost a tar on his personality and his presence as a as a footballer that he's not a good trainer and if any other club sees that in the future it almost might be a deterrent as if to say well I'm not buying him if he's known and notorious to be a bad trainer but it's like Marley said he actually is notorious to be that because Southgate had a press conference just before Euro 2020 and said the exact same reasons which is that he wasn't really performing well in training or he was a poor performer to paraphrase again it happened in the Euro 19 camp where he was late for training and got fined. At Dortmund, he got fined for being late to training. So there's some kind of consistencies in terms of what he is as a trainer. And there might be some truth to what uh, Eric Ten Hag's saying. But it's so, like I said, so, so naive to come out, especially just, af- just after the game, and pretty much do a statement directly against your manager because there's only one winner in that every single time. And although I do agree with Marley saying, how can't you get more out of an £80 million player? Well, I do think he's giving him chances. I think he's giving him chance, more than enough chances, I would say, to be honest. I think he's been really fair I, with him and patient I don't, with him. I don't think he has. But he was patient with him last year. I don't think he did. I don't think he has. I think, I think like you mentioned there, like he got fined at Dortmund, but then he got he got played at the weekend and he, and he performed. So that's where I was saying before about like, I, I don't know, maybe you need to just... Let him be Jaden Sancho. I see what you're saying, Marley, but at the same time, Eric Ten Hag last year fined Marcus Rashford for being late to a team meeting because he didn't have his alarm set to the right time. And this was a guy who was scoring goals every week for United at this point. And Eric Ten Hag said, you're late, you're not starting the game. Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the greatest ever players, it wasn't working. Eric Ten Hag said, you're out. So with Jaden Sancho, if he doesn't do that and doesn't carry on that... Yeah, but he punished him with the with the dropping of him for the starting of a yeah, game. so But then after that, it was a clean slate. Yeah, so I guess his, puni- his punishment for Jaden Sancho is now leaving him out of the side and saying, you're not going- doing well enough in training. So why, why, you know, like Eric Ten Hag was praised for the ruthlessness of and the disciplinarian element of his style of management when he left Rashford out and when he got rid of Ronaldo. But now it's Sancho, all of a sudden it's unfair. I just, I think there's maybe there's a little bit of double standards there for, for, from some people. I don't know. We, we need to know more details really, don't we? But yeah, if, we do, if, yeah. if, like, mm. if he's turning up half an hour late every time, then, then he's not got a leg to stand on. But it was kind of funny how they said, diff- they said slightly different things because um, Ten Hag said his performance is in training in training and then Sancho's what was Sancho's exact words in in his statement something about his his attitude at training or something so it was slightly different and I think like there's something there's maybe maybe blurred lines in there or something I think I think you need to almost read between the lines and say I think Ten Hag's probably coming across as if to say other players perform better than him in training so he selected them over him that's almost the way I took it, but it's almost come across as if he's attacking Sancho as if to say he's a bad performer in training, so he's not being selected. I don't know if there's some kind of miscommunication, but like you said, Marley, it's almost like they're not on the same wavelength because Sancho believes that he was good in training. He applied himself in training. That's the thing. So I think Ten Hag said performance, 
and Sancho's went, well, I was good. I was, I didn't do anything wrong, but I, I, I feel like this whole situation is he's turning up, he's acting lazy. He's turning up a little bit late. Compared he's, to everyone else. Yeah, that's what I think it is. And I think Sancho's gone, well, sort of, when I'm on the pitch, I'm, I'm fine, I'm great. But Ten Hag's actually meaning, you know, everyone else is here at nine and you're here at, you turn up at five too and you're putting your boots on when everyone's stretching and stuff. I, I think it's that. I think it's a little bit, he's maybe said the wrong word and Sancho's went, in training, I'm fine. But it's get. I think it's before that, to be fair. So, but when you post on social media, please don't believe everything you read. I will not allow people saying things that are completely untrue about the man who picks the team. Where does this put Jaden Sancho in terms of his future playing time at Manchester United, Joel? Because it seems hard to recover from that position when you've got a public statement on social media from a player saying that, well, basically calling you a liar. That's what I mean, it's naive. Straight after the game, straight after his comments in a press conference, literally, I think it was, what, half an hour to an hour after, why would you not just wait and clear it up with the manager himself so you can understand what he actually means and then clear it up yourself in another way? To come uh, to come at the direct source of power in a football club is just so risky. You always saw it in Alex Ferguson's time, whenever a player tried to step to him or approach him, which went against his beliefs, he was out of the dogs. It's almost like you're questioning my approach to how I run this football club. So I, I think personally, the way in which I've seen Ten Hag manage, I think in the next game, he'll probably start Sancho or he'll put him in the team and say, okay, then if you're applying yourself, come and show the fans that you are applying yourself and let's see if you are a man of your word kind of thing. I don't think it's the case of trying to cast him out now and make an example of him because like you said, Niall, you know, Rashford was late to training one time. He put him straight on. 60 minutes, you've learned your lesson, do it. You don't need a statement from Rashford saying, oh, I didn't think I was that late or I'm a good trainer usually. You know, you just take it on the chin. But I think because he's questioning his application, you don't want that tar on your personality. Because in football, if you're known as a bad trainer, I think it'll get around in future and it's just not a good look on him. But it's it's a it's a poor scenario to be in, isn't it? It's just, can I have one week of no circus at Manchester United? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be watching it with a... A close eye because it's fascinating, really, the situation that Manchester United are in. There was reports over the weekend as well claiming that the Glazer family are not keen on selling the club for another two years and that the current bidders on the table of a potential Manchester United takeover have been left in the dark about the next steps. So much around Manchester United at the moment and it doesn't help when you're losing games on the pitch as well. Talking of losing games, Newcastle have lost three of their four Premier League games this season. They only lost five in the entirety of last campaign. This time, Brighton were the ones that beat them. And we'll talk about that and some of the other Premier League results after this on FSD. Final part of today's Football Social Daily. Joel's already had to go through the trouble of talking about his team losing to Arsenal. So now, Marley, it's your turn. As Newcastle United were beaten by Brighton and Hove Albion, a rampant Brighton and a rampant Evan Ferguson as well. Before we get on to your perspective from the Newcastle side of things, how impressive is Evan Ferguson and what sort of a player have Brighton got on their hands? Because he looked really good. He's he's brilliant. He's really, really good. You could tell from, from last season, I think... Um, for his first couple of games, he's. I think as a striker, you you either score goals or you or you don't. It's like he's, he can sniff them out. He doesn't need to score the world. He's he's always in the right place and he always gets chances. And that that's always impressed me. Um, 
I've been a little bit surprised that uh, he doesn't start more games, but I think uh, Deserby's ultimately getting it right so far. You know, he's he's um, he's not frustrating the player and holding him back too much, um, and he's he's giving him minutes to you know he gets better every time you you uh, you watch him play, and obviously at the weekend he's got a worldy uh, a goal a proper sort of poacher's effort as well. Um, and then his look, uh, he's created his own look really for his uh, his third one where it deflects in past past the goal. He was already gone the other way, so he's mint. But now it everything from 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 Evan Ferguson for the next three months and six months is gonna be who's who buys him and how much do Brighton get for him? And I think Brighton have already said he's gonna cost anyone more than Caicedo did. Um, so we're talking, you know, probably close to one forty, one fifty million for an eighteen year old. And Spurs will be looking at it going, oh, can we use that Harry Kane money? And Chelsea will be going, if we put him on a 13-year contract, we can get him for, you know, 10 million a year. Um, and, you know, others, maybe Man United, although they've just made that that outlay on uh, Hoyland, so maybe not, but we'll see. Well, he was really impressive, scored a hat-trick. Nick Pope, though, looked a little bit dodgy. Yeah, I think um, for the first one, he's 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 just he's made the wrong 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 choice. He's tried to hoof it, and you know he's he's scuffed it. Um, but then he has the chance to to um, put it right, to put the fire out that that he started. And I think he I think he's thinking when the when the shots come to him from Gilmore, you know it's a hell of a hit, and he's thinking, oh thank God that's coming that's coming at me. I've got away with that, and he's just lost concentration. He's bounced off him and you know spilled to Evan Ferguson, who's in the right place at the right time, but. You know that's uh, that's just a, it's come at the worst time as well because I was saying on Friday he's not put a foot wrong. <laughs> I don't know why he's not in the England squad, and then he does does that on on Saturday night. So it's uh, it's sod's law that that's happened to him. But yeah, he's uh, he's made a mistake. Um, funnily enough, I did say on Friday the only reason he's not he's not England's number one is because of his distribution, mm. and he comes out and shanks a kick with his size thirteen clown feet, and <laughs> you know it comes comes right right back to Brighton, and it's. It's uh, it's in the net thirty seconds later, so yeah, it's disappointing that one, but we'll move on. Well, Newcastle beaten again, Joel. Do you think that the start to the season was always going to be this difficult for Eddie Howe's team? When you look at the teams they've played, and maybe almost is a bit of a blessing in disguise, even though they've lost three of the four, that they've got those fixtures out of the way with the Champions League starting up again in a few weeks' time. I think it's concerning only because the Champions League hasn't started yet. And that's when we're really going to see what kind of team Newcastle are when you have to manage midweek games, coming back on a Saturday, managing that game, potentially Carabao Cup games here and there. There's a lot of load on your team. Yeah, but you'd you'd rather play Wolves away on a Sunday than you would Brighton away or Manchester City or Liverpool, which is kind of the point, I guess, that they've got those games they're, out of the way. They're going to play them regardless though, aren't they? Yeah, I know, but you, you'd, rather, you'd rather play them than be knackered after a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night and play them on a Saturday lunchtime or a Sunday afternoon. You would, but they got beat by them. That's the, that's the bottom line of it. Regardless, every game in the Premier League, if you've got an away game or home game after a European game, they're always notoriously difficult because you have to rotate your squad massively. And I just felt like in the Brighton game, the best way I summed it up is just really half-hearted. You know, when you looked at Ferguson's second goal, he had an absolute age of space in between the midfield and the defender where he could literally turn go on the pivot pick his spot and he still had no challenge on the ball 
the midfield was gone. It was non-existent. And then for the third goal, you know, he cut inside. He had all these heaps of Newcastle players around him. And then Fabian Scher just sticks out a loose foot, which ends up diverting into his own goal. I mean, if that was at St. James's Park, I don't think we would have seen a similar kind of circumstance. It feels like these away games, I'm not seeing enough from, from them in terms of how much urgency they have compared to St. James's. There's a bit of a disparity between the two performances. But I think start of the season, I don't think there's anything to worry about. Let's not forget they've made a good number of signings as well. Um, I think they all still need to gel together as well a little bit more, but it's going to be interesting to see what their form's like when the Champions League starts, because like I say, squad rotation has to happen and it's going to be really difficult and mentally fatiguing compared to last season when it's just been focusing on that one game, one game. Now it's going to be, oh, we've got, you know, AC Milan next week, but then in two weeks time, we've got to play them again while we've got Chelsea in between. It becomes difficult to manage. Talking of players needing to gel and talking of Chelsea... Those two things go hand in hand and Nottingham Forest move up to ninth in the Premier League table and another afternoon of what might have been, I guess, for for Chelsea. It just seems to be like the signs are there, but they keep losing games. And at a club like Chelsea, Marley, you can't keep losing games, even if it's at the start of a project and even if you have an idea of where you want to get to. Losing is just not good enough for a team like Chelsea. And yet they've been beaten again. First time they've lost to Forest in a long, long time. Yeah, I thought, um, you know, I, I thought I thought they were getting it together, to be fair. You know, they, they brushed aside Luton, which is, you know, easy enough for them. They made that look very, very easy. But I thought they'd, they'd have goals in them. And Forest away from home are, are, are terrible, really. Um, you know, they were 2-0 up against Man United the other week and you still almost backed Man United to come back to at least a draw. You, you, you still didn't expect uh, Forrest to win, but um, it's one of those where they've they've um, they've not turned up. Chelsea, they've you know they, I feel like they almost thought, well, we're getting better every week and we'll roll these over. It's all right. Um, and you know, Caicedo's Kais- sloppy mistake is oh, is typical, really. Another one from Caicedo as well. I know I don't think that the price tag's doing him any favors. I just wonder whether he's trying too hard or it's hovering over him. But to be honest, the key for me comes in the statistics where Nottingham Forest had seven shots, three on target, one goal. Chelsea had 21 shots, two on target. And one of those 19 off-target shots was Nicholas Jackson from about five yards out. And, <laughs> you know, when that doesn't go in, you know you're going to lose the game. It's, it's you know, one of them where you're like, oh, God, if that's going to sum us up, that, like, just silly. But Chelsea are... You know, probably hoping that Nkunku's back pretty soon because I feel like he was a massive key to, to what they wanted to do this season and straight away he did his knee and he's been out ever since. But it's um it's it's a strange one, but fair play to Forrest. They they look a more solid team than the um than they were last season. A lot more settled. You you feel like Steve Cooper knows his best team now. Um, you know, last season they signed thirty players. And it, it took him six months to work out which ones were worth worth the time of day and which ones weren't. Um, he's going into the season this time with, I think it's 10 new signings, which is still, still a lot, by the way. But his starting block is them 10 are coming in to displace my best 11. Whereas last season, he was thinking, which of these 30 are my best 11? And that, that held hampered Forrest big time, but this time they've, they're starting from way further up the track and you're seeing that in the results and the performances. 
Well, we'll still be bringing you podcasts through the international break anyway on Football Social Daily. So the best way to stay in the loop for when a new episode is released is to hit follow or subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. Basically, wherever you listen to this show, look for the follow or subscribe button. Give that a hit and that way you'll be notified as soon as a new episode is released. Make sure you stick with us on Football Social Daily as well because we've got some good stuff coming for you in the coming weeks and months. So hitting subscribe is the best way to stay on top of that. But for today's episode from Marley, Joel and I, that's it. Catch you next time on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social.